we at Around Grandfather Fire would like to express our solidarity for Black Lives Matter. We stand with you and every marginalized group that's seeking justice. Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire as your hosts Saren Odinson, Jim Toosnakes, and Caitlin Stormbreaker talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late night conversations by real life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? Standing stones marked by the work of your hands, pieces of pottery, pieces of your lives, bones and furs and metal. If I listen, I can hear you. The drum pounding from centuries on centuries, the clack of wood on wood, the strain of sinew. I can see you. The dance around fires and trees and poles, the feasting around tables and benches, the kneeling, prostrating, genuflecting before the holy places. I can smell you. The wood smoke of cooking and heating, the fresh rains on well-tilled earth, the sacred herbs burning. I can feel you. The embrace of countless hands, the support on my back, my soles, my shoulders, my head, the presence as we stand together. I can taste you, the plentiful foods that you have passed down, the bread, vegetables, and flesh prepared in your way, the drinks I have tasted made by your guidance. I can sense you, the guidance you give me, the fierce love and protection you surround me in, the thousands of beings who know me, animals, plants, you knew them well, stones and bones with which to craft to fight, waters and ways you knew by heart and head. You reach to me, and you are here. Old ancestors, I hail you, Vestuhile. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 53. I am Jim Two Snakes, joined as always by my good friends and co-hosts, Saren Thodenson and Caitlin Stormbreaker. How's everybody doing tonight? I am very, very tired. Totally tired, toast. tired puppy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it doesn't help that I have a cat that has missed me because we we're gone for a few days, just sitting here pur- purring away on my lap. And I'm just like, <laughs> I could go to bed right now. That would be great. House cat, cast, level three sleep. <laughs> so I'm doing pretty good, actually. I slept like the dead. <clears throat> I didn't get mandated today, which is the first. It's been a little crazy at work. Uh, just had a very good day. Played a bit of Sturdy Valley with my wife and 
just had a very chill day. It's it's been kind of nice, not very frenetic. No, that's good. What about that's you, good. Jim? How have you been? Uh, it's, it's been pretty good. It's been a low key sort of day. I took today off from all works except for Patreon, which I'm still doing my own Patreon. I've got clients there, but um, but like the retail job and everything else, I took time off because. I kind of need to flip my schedule on its head, you know. Uh, I'll be now getting out of work at the time that for the last, oh, dozen and a half years I've been getting up. So <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride. I wanted to make sure I had a nice restful Saturday because that actually starts Sunday night. So that'll be Oof. that'll be a bit of a challenge. Oh, dang. So how is that going to work with the retail job? Are you... Is, uh, I shifted the shifting? hours there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I will now be able to sleep in a little in the morning, which is a crazy thing. It's already very much affected my mental state in the, in the best possible way, because I've always been a morning person. And so that's my like time of power. So I get up now and I can make a cup of coffee and I sit on the porch and I journal and then I can do the meditations and, you know, I can, I can do, I can be a human being before I have to leave the house, which is nice. Yeah. Um, instead of waking up about five hours into a job, that's pretty. But and so I go to the retail job now. My new hours there are going to be uh, like from one in the afternoon till five in the afternoon, and then I'll go to the other job and get out about two thirty in the morning ish. So nice. I remember when well, now Sarenth and I will be paying attention to each other. We'll be like, are you awake? Of course you're awake. Are you awake? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be the one sleeping the sleep of the dead. Like, that's like, right. I, I wonder how that's going to work out with uh, uh, Michigan Pagan Fest when we're all fire tending. Because me and Matt will be the early birds and you guys will be the midnights. So I guess yeah. that'll actually work out pretty well. Unless Matt goes to midnights, which is what they're talking about. I hope so. I'd actually be able to see him. Yeah. yeah. The only the only hard part for me is going to be because I like getting up early. Mm. So convincing myself that it's that I need to roll over and sleep for another hour. Actually, okay, I know well, a lot of you guys are out there now playing the smallest violins in the world. But yes, it's going to be hard <laughs> to roll over and convince myself to go back to sleep for an hour. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, well, come back and come back and see me at one thirty in the morning when I like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Got my eyelids propped open with a toothpick. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what coffee's for. Yeah, <laughs> coffee doesn't always work out well. I mean, I have it right now, and it's not—it's not helping me a ton. Well, you've had a very long day, to be fair. I've had a—I've had a very long two days, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Never underestimate the sheer driving force of a middle-aged white woman when it comes to garage sailing. Especially Jesus. your mother. Oh, no. My mom was totally fine. <laughs> it was she, the other ladies. <laughs> yeah. It was the other ladies coming in. And because we were doing a sale for an elderly lady, we were very strict about the you have to wear a mask rule within inside the garage. We had stuff right. outside, too. You know, if you were outside, that's fine. You don't have to wear a mask. But if you're inside the garage, we require a mask. And yeah. I didn't. Surprise! I'm very grateful that I didn't have many people fight me on it, or they would see the sign and say, "Oh, we can't go in the garage because we didn't bring our masks," and they would wander on and not make a fuss. 
but I had this one lady like run into the garage to throw money at me because she wanted to buy something. Even though I had somebody outside that she could have handed money to. I'm like, as soon as I saw her walk in the garage, I was like, you can't come in here. You need a mask. She's like, I just want to give you money. And she runs to the back of the garage, throws money at me and then runs out of the garage. And I'm like, I have an 82 year old woman sitting right next to me who thankfully has a mask on. And you decided to give me, you could have said, Hey, come here. Yeah. It's amazing. The new job I'm starting, it's on a university campus. And so they are hardcore. You got to wear masks outside. Mm-hmm. Like if you're on campus, unless you take it, you're taking off the mask. There are certain designated areas where you're away from everybody else. You can take it off to get a breath of fresh air. Or if you are actively putting food or drink in your mouth in one of those designated areas. But other than that, they want a mask on all the time inside or out. Yeah, we're under certain uh, restrictions to that effect, too. And, yeah, it's it's no joke. <laughs> I mean, you know, health, well-being, these are... Yeah, well, it's weird, too, because, you know, we've talked about this before, but it's so much mm-hmm. part of our culture. And, you know, I was talking to someone earlier today who spent three years, I think it was, teaching English in China. And she said this is just, you know, in China, it's just... The government says wear a mask and you wear a mask. And if it says stay home, you stay home. And it's not because of any sort of threat. It's because you're supposed to be looking out for the culture as a whole, the society as a whole, especially your older family members or, you know, people who are above you on the societal chain. And, and so this mentality of just protecting everybody's there and then, coming back to the individualism of the United States, you know, it just, she said it was really culture shock just coming back home because returning to a small town in Ohio where it's like, screw you. We don't care. (laughs) No masks. It's just, it was weird. (laughs) Yeah, it, it is weird. Um, it's going to be one of those episodes soon, if I can Holy tell. Shit, <laughs> Working with the girls at the greenhouse. Listen, I just got done listening to two hours of Rage Against the Machine on YouTube. I don't know what the hell is going to come out of my mouth right now. Nice. <laughs> I didn't peg you as a Rage fan. Huh. All right. I understand where your headspace is at. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, you, now, you now understand how I've been dealing with my shadow issues. Like, fuck you! Go away! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. shadow self. I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> Start headbanging. Yeah. Speaking of shadow self, I guess <laughs> I should probably drop this now. Yes. yes talk if I sure. don't, you guys are going to be like, talk about this. Um, I have been doing, if you guys haven't been paying attention to my blog recently, which I know I took a break from for a while and we did it when I'm back now and I'm writing about shadow work and my method of shadow work. This is, I've pulled a little bit from what uh, Jim has taught me. I've pulled from some things that Sarah has taught me. I've pulled from what Beth has taught me and I've pulled from a buttload of what I have taught myself. Um, and learned myself. So if you go to my blog, I'm on WordPress. Um, it is Storm Paco, S-T-O-R-M-P-A-Q-O. Um, and so far, the feedback is very good, and I'm very grateful for that. 
Um, and next week I will be going in just a little bit deeper. We're dipping our toes in first and next week will be the whole foot. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it's going to be, all right, you guys got enough practice. I'm going to boot your asses off of the deep end and you're going in. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Your blog's been getting really good feedback. And then our last, actually two shows, our shadow work show and then a Sade show before that. I'm still getting feedback on those and it's yeah, all same. positive. And uh, I was really grateful to all you guys who are listening um, yes. for all the positive feedback you gave us on the shadow work one, especially because uh, you know we we basically just laid it all out there. Here's our here's our souls. Be nice, and you guys were so it was really it was really cool. Well, and it was nice to hear a lot of them say thank you for being so raw, and thank you for basically humanizing ourselves. You know, like I didn't realize you guys struggled with that too, you know, and we do, we struggle with a lot of the same things you do. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it, it, it's really good. We've gotten a really good, a lot of feedback on that, which is good because we're taking another dive this week, folks. So, <laughs> but before we do that, I do want to say thank you to all the people that have been supporting this show on Patreon. It's been really fantastic. Um, the generosity that you guys show both financially and, and sharing the show and talking about the show has just been amazing to me. And, and I know all three of us appreciate it so much and you can follow us or support us because the, the episodes do eventually go public on the Patreon as well. If you're not already getting it somewhere else and that's patreon.com forward slash around grandfather fire. And you can find links there to all of our various blogs and other projects. And, and we just want to thank you so much for all that support that you guys are always giving us. Yeah, seriously, like this show has succeeded beyond our wildest dreams. It really has. Both in terms of its outreach and in terms of the community support and the guests we've had on, we had no idea when we started that things would be this 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 well or turn out this well. Yeah. Yeah, and I kinda came on halfway through what, season one? Yeah. Before we officially had seasons, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I I even I'm blown away. I mean, you guys were already kind of picking up steam at that point and then it just just went crazy so thank you you guys yeah. are awesome well and i i was telling somebody actually just today that i feel like you were the the last ingredient we really needed for everything to come together because sarenth and i had done a lot of talking before and it was that that third perspective that's a little bit different a little bit different background to the the more feminine side of looking at things um was just what we needed for everything to gel together yeah air quotes on that one uh <laughs> Because you're you're more masculine than I am when it comes to working on cars and shits, <laughs> hands down. So you know, air quote. And if you if you ask another certain uh, podcast co-host, they will tell you that I brought the livelihood to it, and they no longer fall asleep during our podcast. So <laughs> apparently, the the boys were lulling this individual to sleep, and I I brought the jazz back. <laughs> I got the jazz fans going. <laughs> yeah, now, oh, now, now, don't you all wish you had the video? Few right. of you get it, but now <laughs> you're missing out on us doing jazz hands. So, speaking of uh, that individual and I, 
and Malik Odinson are starting a new podcast. Oh, three pagans no, right. on tap. Nice. It is precisely awesome. what it sounds like. It's three pagans sitting around <laughs> drinking, reviewing the drink at hand, and talking about how we relate to the gods and ancestors and spirits through our drinks. And it's not just going to be alcohol, although that will be a pretty big component. We're also going to be doing non-alcoholic drinks like mocktails and stuff like that. Oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's so. really cool. Yes, a big, a big thank you as well to Three Pagans and the Cat for juggling their schedule around with my job change. It became a necessity for us to record on Saturdays. And so they moved their recording day to Sundays, essentially just to accommodate us and the mutual listeners that we have. So huge thank you and shout out to them. Holy cow. Thank you. I didn't even know that. That's that's so kind. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really amazing. Um, You know, love that show a lot. It's uh, and so grateful to the three of them for not only what they bring to podcasting into the the overall environment that we're in with uh with spirituality but just for being so kind to us in in regards like that so huge shout out to them yeah for sure thank you so much all right so we've got a huge bevy of listener questions but first i there's one that i know that we need to talk about yep <laughs> you know it too, Sarah. So recently, um, Sarah and I in particular, we've had differences on how we are talking about how we describe ourselves. And Sarah had a huge change in his spiritual path. And we kind of wanted to go on record and talk about those things a little bit. So Sarah, why don't you, why don't you go ahead and, and dive into that a little? Oh, all right, so to dive into it, I'm going to read the email to start with so that everybody's on the same page. All right. I guess give them kind of a preface of what you're talking about before you get into the, the email. Like a oh, yeah, that's a good idea. TLDR a quick. version. Actually, you know what? That's a really good point because the, the text of it's on my blog if you really want to find it. The TLDR is that Sanyan, uh, which is Glenda's husband, started displaying the Sonnenrod. The Sonnen Rod is a Nazi symbol. The only place where it occurs is the Vavelsberg Castle. And it is a very, it's a Nazification, it's a Nazi uh, symbol. There's, there's no ancient correlation to it. The only mm-hmm. thing that might correlate to something ancient is the words that describe it. It's the Black Sun. Now, the Black Sun does have ancient antecedents, but it doesn't have this particular design in any fashion because it's a swastika, a Nazi swastika, inside of a circle, and another circle outside of it, which has 13 Sieg, or Suilu runes, within another enclosed circle. And this was commissioned for the floor of the Velsberg Castle, which is where the Schustafel were headquartered. There's no redeeming qualities insofar as I see it. And Sanyan came out publicly and to his students, and I have been one, and said this is a symbol that Dionysus told him to start wearing, and so he did. Anybody that's listened to the show for any length of time knows just how much we take stock in terms of what we do and don't begin to wear, iconography, we 
choose to put on our bodies. There's a lot that we talk about on the show about discernment. And I'm like, look, this is a bridge too goddamn far. And initially I tried to reason. I mean, I, Sandy and Glenn knew where I stood on these symbols. Uh, Nazis, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, blood and soil bullshit is part of what kept me out of Ethan Reed for so long. And then Galena publicly defended his actions, and I kind of threw my hands up because I had privately talked with her about this on several occasions, mm-hmm. said I didn't agree with this, said it was bullshit, and how much I disagreed. And at that point, I said, well, you know what? You've made your line in the sand. Here's mine. She is no longer my elder. Sanyan's no longer my elder. I am no longer affiliated with uh, her kindred. I am no longer affiliated with anything that Sanyan puts on. Or has to do with any longer. I am no longer a member of Earth of Runner Kindred. I, I am no longer a member of um, the Starry Bull or the Starry Bear traditions. And I have cut every single fucking tie with both of these people. And, um, yeah. People who have listened to this show for a very long time know how I feel about elders. If you've spent any amount of time listening to this show, you will know what kind of step that is, how drastic a step that is. Mm-hmm. And not so, not easy for you at all. I can bear witness to the process that he went through, and this was from. Uh, I will let you guys know as a witness that this was this was heart wrenching. This was soul tearing for him, and and Sarenth has done a lot of work, a lot of work here to to separate himself. And you know, I remember the shows that we had Sanyan and Galena on, and even on those shows, we did a fair amount of pushing back against some of the, the folkish sort of mindsets. And I thought we had done a good job, but you know, we can't dictate someone else's path to them. We can only know what we can tolerate in, in ourselves and in our elders. And as much as we all honor spiritual elders, um, there's some things you just can't, you can't handle. You can't do. It's like any other family member. There are sometimes toxic traits that cannot be ignored. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's, Sarah. I I know I said this. I've said it in person. I've said it in, te- in through text. But I'm so proud of you for not only making this decision, but taking your time with it. Because it is something that is incredibly difficult to do, especially when it's somebody that you've been in cultists with for as long as you were with them. And to see them come out as being, um, as the side of them came out, you stood up to them and said, I am not going to stand for this. This is not okay. And to come out and say that to a total stranger is, terrifying but to come out and say that to your elder is ground shattering and it is it leaves you in a moment of oh fuck what did i do and i think you handled it very well i mean you you obviously had support during this but i'm grateful that you were able to do this 
to kind of set an example. And if there were other people within the group, they saw it too. You know, that way, if they also didn't agree with it, they could say, I'm, I'm with this guy, I'm going. Yep. That way you got them out of a toxic situation as well. So I'm very proud of you. Yeah. I I think uh, of anything that the fallout that's come from my decision has been edifying. Gratifying isn't the word for it because I'm really displeased this had to happen at all. Mm-hmm. But to wit, I understand things have not gone well and they're bleeding students. And I don't think that anybody's really left anymore. Well, and I am going to be pretty blunt here and say, yeah, I know rare for me, right? I'm going to say that people, if you have been interested in a quality heathen Norse perspective, one that is very rune and spirit intensive, now is the fucking time to support Sarenth. Sign up for his blog, consider being a student. You know the quality of this man, and now you know how powerful he stands in his convictions. And a lot of you have been worried about some of the folkish and racist aspects of some of the Norse and heathen past. Now is the fucking time to stand with Sarenth, become a supporter, become one of his students, stand with him. And, and you know, he's been pretty open about what he stands for, and, and, and let's reward him for that dedication to the gods. <laughs> deal with it yeah i am <laughs> i am not ashamed to say i'm crying on air right now um you know when i when i talked with um my wife about it silverleaf she there wasn't even a hesitation as soon as i said you know this is what i gotta do she said yep yeah i'm here for you and then going to my various people and explaining the situation, just everybody going, yep, you're making the right choice. And when I finally came out in public, there were a lot of folks in my um, responses who said, well, I'm actually really surprised you lasted this long. And I'm like, guys, when I tell you loyalty is a thing with me, this is what I fucking mean. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this woman has been in my life for about 13 years now, uh, was in my life. And Sandin was in my life for about, Eight, nine, at least maybe ten. You know, these these are people that I've trusted with my body, my heart, and my soul. And when I talk about ties of Aminia, those are not easily fucking broken. I have done a lot of ritual work to sever those connections in as cleanly a manner as possible. So what you're not going to find me do in public or in private is shitting on my former elders. Do I agree with their political stances? No. But I don't feel that it's worthy of me to demean them because they have done some amazing work. The stuff that they have put out in print, I find there's still a lot of use in, but I probably will never recommend the books anymore. As much as that sucks, which means that i got to write the fucking things myself. Now. <sighs> um, you know, but as, as frustrating as I find that, you know, that's the stand I have to take to have integrity in and of myself and integrity before the people that I teach, the communities that I'm part of. You know, 
I, we talked a couple episodes back about how we went to one of these festivals and they were going to bring the frost in and we had to put our feet down and say, if you want us, mm-hmm. you will not bring these people in. And this isn't very different of a stance, you know, and how can I take that stance and not take this one? It was incongruous with where my ethics stood. And I cut both of them a lot of fucking slack because I cared about them as people because they've been there through some of the dirtiest, darkest, most horrible times in my life. Mm. And they helped me see the other side of it. Just because they've made some monumental, stupid choices and have aligned themselves with people that I can't be aligned with, either because of who I am and what I am or because of people that I love and care for, or just because of my own fucking ethics, damn it. <laughs> you know, they are not the people that I signed up with anymore. And that sucks. You know, for years, Galena was the one on the front lines yelling about how we need to listen to black indigenous people of color and mm-hmm. pay attention to how they wanted to run things. And now she's pretty much on the white supremacy bandwagon. And I... I don't know what changed, but I'm not here to do an autopsy on my elder either. I'm not here to eat my elder, and I'm sure not here to do an autopsy on my former elder. Mm, God, that sticks in my craw. That hurts. But I could not act with integrity before my gods, my ancestors, or my vatir and keep these relationships up when, you know, especially because she talks so much about miasma. It's like, do you not see it? Do you not understand? So, you know, the choice took several months. And some folks, especially right now, with the way that online culture is, would have basically harangued me for it for as long as I took to think about this decision. Yeah. Oh, it should have been easy. Well, sure. A knee jerk reaction is easy. A well thought out reason for why I felt the way I felt and why I was making the decision I was making. That's hard. That takes time to process, to think, to look inside. It's very easy to say, well, this person, I'm running this person off because they don't agree with my politics. That's, that's simple. That's easy. Any idiot can do that. You know. <laughs> but it takes some nuance to look inside and go, what, what's the actual root here? What's the problem? What am I reacting to? Right. Reacting is easy. Thinking is hard. You know, and we talk so damn much on this show about discernment. And I got my divination done. I, I had multiple sessions of divination, at least three sessions with a person who was not attached to the situation at all. So like when we tell you go get divination done, go fucking get it done. Because it wasn't just the people that I was close to that I went to for advice, for help, for readings and all that. I went to people that I trusted, but weren't in the situation. And I had multiple people read my responses over. Maybe I was full of shit. Maybe I was understanding this wrong. Maybe to be 
blunt, some of that was hoping against hope that I misinterpreted something. I hadn't misinterpreted. I just didn't want it to be true. Yeah, I I understand. And then that's with both of us uh, making changes recently and how we handle ourselves, how, what our, how we describe ourselves online. I know I changed my blog and page over, and so did you as well. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> initially I kind of pushed back when you, you uh, said, well, I'm, I'm dropping the term shaman. And I had a visceral reaction to that because at the time I was still involved with Galena and I was still a Northern tradition shaman. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it a lot. And I've never really, I mean, when we started the show, we've always talked about how neither one of us was really comfy with the word, but it was a, a handle word. Right, right. It was like, We've at least been pretty open about that from the beginning. Yeah, but, you know, it, it finally gets to this point of, am I being in sync with my ethics and where I stand on things by using this word? Not really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I ended up getting, so for me, it was actually a conversation that was started on, on TikTok of a person talking about how the word shaman is cultural appropriation. And that ended up with this big, huge back and forth between people who wanted to use it and people who don't, and people who thought it was appropriation and people who thought it had been in, in Western society long enough, whatever that means, I don't know. And so I got really wrapped up in it. And that was that was honestly my initial reaction as well is that pushback. Like, no, I've, I've been using this term. This is how people are finding me. I have to kind of cling to this term, even though I've never really liked it, but I got to, and you know, other people I respect are still using that term and nothing holding, uh, I'm not holding anything against them. But then I, I finally, you know, there was like a 24-hour period where I was on the struggle bus. I was, I didn't sleep well. I did divination. I was just tossing and turning before I finally realized, no, I'm just going to stop using that term to describe myself. And yeah, you and Caitlin were supportive. At the same time, both of you uh, were very good to me in the sense that you were both like, you're not dropping it as a knee-jerk reaction. I think you, you know, that if anybody's deserving of having or using that, you are and, and that sort of thing. So you're both really supremely supportive, and I appreciate that. But I had kind of already come to a decision at that point in time. So that's when I started switching everything over to spiritual advisor as opposed to shamanic practitioner. And then and then out comes the whole thing with, with your... Uh, former elders there, Sarah, and you started changing yours over and everything else as well. And I feel like now in retrospect, um, it had to happen for two reasons. One, because as we're going through a society of 2020 of really looking at our societal shadows, I had to let it go because it wasn't a term from my people. And the other aspect was it was very freeing or liberating in certain ways. I didn't think it was going to be. I thought I was losing something. But then once I made the switch over, I realized that this is now so liberating in a lot of ways. So now if 
it makes it that much easier for someone who has a Christian or a Buddhist or some other background who needs spiritual advice to come to me. It was actually really liberating. Yeah, I would, I would kind of agree with that understanding of letting go of that term. Um, I've never really use that term term or even like really gravitated towards it. And uh, my husband and I were talking about it again today and he's, he has his own opinion on it and it's fine. Um, But the way I put it to him was the reason why I don't want to use the term shaman or shamanism anymore or even at all is not only because it is a cultural appropriation of, people that I know nothing of their tradition. I don't know a single Sami person or anybody who's from that area. I don't even know the language or any of the deities or anything like that. So not only does it not feel appropriate for me to use that term, but the term has been so watered down and manipulated and used and thrown on so many different things that it has literally lost its meaning to a lot of people. Um, I've had the, the experience of telling people I, I practice shamanism and they look at me and they're like, Oh, that's nice. And they move on. But when I utilize the terms that I have through my lineage and my tradition of saying I'm, I'm a Paco that makes them pause and they go, What's that? Is that? Mm-hmm. What do you, what, what is that? And then I get to sit and explain what I do. And then they're like, Oh, well maybe you can help me, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's why I step away from shamanism and it's maybe at some point somewhere down the road, we can do something for that term, kind of bring it back to what it's supposed to be. But I think right now we need to let it go as practitioners. I agree with you right now. It is such a damn marketing term. And you'll even see on, on Twitter and that people using the term, I'm a marketing shaman. Fuck you. And I'm also, yeah, right. And I'm also super happy because when I say spiritual advisor, people a lot of times will have questions. Not once so far has the question been, do you do ayahuasca? (laughs) Dude, bro. No, I fucking don't. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, I can only rem- I just remember so many fucking Jaguar and the Owl- Jaguar and the Owl episodes where we were like, yeah, God damn it, this is not what we're about. Or messages <laughs> or emails or comments oh on the Facebook God. page. Can you talk right? about ayahuasca? Yeah, we can. Fuck off. Did. Four episodes <laughs> to go. Remember when we said it's not a good idea, don't fucking do it. <laughs> go look that one up. If you if the spirits are really calling to you, good goddamn luck, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean it translates into the purge for a reason. Maybe you should think about that. But getting to, getting back to um, spirit worker is just it's more in line with where what I do and where I am anyway. Um, a lot of people have a lot of conception. Like shaman has acquired a shitload of baggage. 
-hmm. Put aside the marketing. From a spiritual angle, it has a lot of baggage. People assume that you do tons and tons and tons of dream work. And that may be the case for some folks. They may not. Um, I do surprisingly little journey work compared to when I started. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. My journey work has almost entirely dropped off. Yeah. And that's not necessarily good or bad. It just is. I don't need that particular tool right now. And nobody that I'm doing work for needs me to do that. Um, I don't believe in taking tools out of your toolbox. But if all shamanism is, is shutting your eyes and shoving your spirit out into astral space. It's not shamanism. It's astral projecting. The thing that a lot of people seem to forget and that we've gone back and forth with people at various points is that journeying has purpose. Journeying has some kind of reason for why you're doing it. It's not just because you want to looky-loo around in one of the worlds. And it also provides a degree of danger that in some forms of astral travel that I've looked at just doesn't. And it's an open question as to whether or not people are tooling around in their own mind with some of this astral projection work too. You know, and astral projection, journeying, all that aside, you know, there's so much more that I do as a spirit worker than just the stuff that people commonly associate with the word shaman. Um, nine inches out of ten, when we're around a sacred fire, I'm not. I don't have a rattle handy. I, I might have a drum if it's a dry day. Right. It, I mean, Michigan Pagan Fest with a dry day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and like, oh yeah, good, Caitlin. Oh, I was just commenting on the dry day at Michigan Pagan oh. Fest is we normally you know. don't get one. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, spiritual advisor or spiritual practitioner or something, spirit worker that also, so thinking about it two ways, like imagine being, and I've gone to quite a few powwows here in this area, how it must be to be at a powwow and have one more white dude wander in and say, I'm a shaman. They got to be like, great, whatever. <laughs> right. First of all. Yeah, and and sure. second of all, there is, here's a reclaiming thing that probably needs to be done more so than a lot of other reclaimings. How can a lot of the light workers that say that they're spiritual practitioners, they, they suck. Right, they're using they're using crappy hypnosis techniques and a bunch of positive affirmations. Talk about something that needs to be reclaimed. Let's let's uh let's go yeah. in that area and kick let's, some ass. Let's listen to this digital um what is it the 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 four hundred hertz or whatever the four hundred eighty one hertz that's like alien level and it's got chimes right. and like. 40 different soundtracks mixed in with it. And it's like, I can't trance to this. I need a single noise. A drum can, beat, can, can you hold a, a drum beat? No. No. Oh, off. <laughs> go sit in the corner and feel bad about yourself. Cause we're about to do this and it's not going to be whatever shitty journey you do. Yeah. I mean, something that I have to hand it to Selkie Girl on TikTok. Like, Selkie Girl has been hammering this particular button like a mofo, and I love her for it. Because she's been, like, laying down the law, like, if you can't do some form of meditation long term, you're not cut out for this work. (laughs) 
and and she doesn't mean that in the terms of like you have to sit there for an hour at a time and do it. If you can't dedicate yourself to this long term, don't fucking bother. Yeah, right? there's there's a difference between meditating once a month for an hour and meditating every day for a minute and a half. Right. There's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And the point that she wrote, she rose, that she made was that meditating isn't going into the no mind state. That's a very specific directed form of meditation. Meditation to how she defined it was basically observing your thoughts. Yeah. Like, yes, that's a thought. Let it go. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's a thought. Let it go. Mm -hmm. And that's all you have to fucking do. You can do it walking. You can do it sitting. You can do Zazen. It doesn't matter how you do it or what position you're in. So long as it's comfy and it's not going to make you think more about, Oh, my body hurts as opposed to, getting rid of the monkey chatter. Um, right? a, big, a big part of that is having a focus too, whether that focus is focusing on your breathing or you're actually focusing on a mantra. But meditation candle. literally is a, a candle, like Sarant said, or even you can, uh, on sound, if you have a singing bowl, meditate on that sound. It's, you're essentially becoming the observer of your mind. And that way you can then discern between the the monkey voices and the messages coming through from spirit. That's yep. why we yep. push meditation so strongly. So I, I think that this was important, um, not only for us personally, you know, it was obviously very impactful for me personally. This was a major work for me on, on shadow and, and self-perception, but if we can set aside our modesty for a second, the truth is that this is really important to the greater community. Like the three of us, as much as it sometimes makes us uncomfortable, we are in a leadership role. And so once again, I'm glad that we are modeling a behavior that I think is going to be more beneficial for the larger community long-term. There's... in a Sorry, position yeah. to set an example and kind of set a bar for mm-hmm. what should be expected of white practitioners, I think, you know, for especially white male practitioners who identify as male and a white female practitioner. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know if you guys know this, but my competition in the, the female practitioner world of what's available out there. I hate to say it, but they're a bunch of fucking Karens. And they terrify <laughs> me. And if anybody knows... <laughs> Sorry. You... Oh. Making note, episode title. They're a bunch of fucking Karens. <laughs> Can you imagine how fucking terrifying that is to have like middle-aged white female Karens who are practitioners witchy practitioners it sucks and then people look at me and they're like oh you're just one of them and i'm like no i'm not come on let me show you like something really fun and cool because this is awesome and then they're like oh that's scary i don't want to do that and i'm like come with me it's so awesome right well and i mean like we we've taken we've taken the stuff that um 
from our own individual practices or terminology. Mm -hmm. And we're not knee jerking it here. We're not running away from some sort of big, huge pressure that's been put on us by social media or something else. This isn't a marketing spin or whatever else. This is genuine. We have reflected and found these things within ourselves that we want to change. And I think that's, that's a great example to set. Yeah. I think it's solely because it was kind of brought to our attention that, Oh, I guess I didn't really see this before. I didn't see it yeah. like this before. It's so, certainly not because I'm fucking brilliant. You two might be, but <laughs> I think our collective brain is brilliant, but us individually, not so much. So <laughs> eh. 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 yeah, I see nobody in the chat room jumping to our defense. Right. No, right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, folks. Yeah, this is. <laughs> Um, quickly they burn us and quickly quickly they all wake up and go oh shit they're talking about us (laughs) there was a question (laughs) but Uh, i think all right oh go ahead the the, the acting with integrity thing i mean whether we're talking about me having to cut out my elders or drop the term shaman you know or we're talking about being really clear with where certain parts of our practice come from, that integrity is key. And it's what's really separating us from where a lot of paganism has come before. Let's just be really honest about that. A good chunk of paganism here in America, and I'm, I can't talk to, to Norway cause, or any of the other Scandinavian, any other country. I'm, I'm from here. This is where I'm based. This is what I know. We've had so many issues with cultural appropriation, with the suppression of minorities within pagan religions. We've had so it's taken till now for people to seriously take non-binary gender representation in Wicca really seriously. Now there's been some folks who've worked on it for quite a long time, but it's now starting to gain mainstream acceptance. I'm hearing more about that from Wiccans in Wiccan circles from people that I don't know. I need to make that point abundantly clear. There were Wiccans that I know who are working on this and have been working on this for 20, 30 years, but it hasn't hit the mainstream until relatively recently. Um, we have people who are exploring gender identity in brand new, beautiful ways, and they're not setting it aside for the group anymore, nor should they ever have had to. We have polytheists that are openly celebrating being polytheist and not, oh, it's all part of one god, it's all part of one goddess, and shoehorning themselves into a pantheist corner they have no business occupying. We have more people raising their voices and being heard from sectors that were traditionally in Western occultism and paganism not fucking listened to, and that's good. And I want more voices, not less. And it's okay to differentiate yourself with language. Do you really think that any of us, when we started our journey, had the full vocabulary? Even if you were raised pagan, you still had to develop that. My son and my daughter are going to have to develop their own lexicon as they grow. And just because they're born into it doesn't make them experts. Like, I really need to fucking emphasize that, folks. Because we do have second and third generation pagans growing up now, and they may or may not have the level of interest we did. And that has to be something that we're okay with. Um, But it also that kind of 
acclimatizing our communities to people who are just there to worship the gods and then go home is something we need because not everybody has to be big buku, let's get the big guns out, ready to throw down with spirits. That's not the objective in building a polytheist community. Not everybody has to be the Billy big ass, Badass with the biggest gun, nor should they have to be. And likewise, not everybody has to be some kind of named practitioner of blah lineage or what have you. It is okay to just be somebody that shows up, does ritual, goes home, and lives their life. And we just happen to be three spiritual practitioners who lead in our communities, who have a lot to say. And there are plenty of people that do plenty of leadership work that don't say a damn thing. They wouldn't say shit if their mouth was full of it. And for the people that are in our communities, we really need to take our hats off to them because they're often the silent hard workers who make shit happen. Yes. Yep. Exactly. I'm transitioning to my yelling at people from the lawn chair phase. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, I acquired a really awesome cane this weekend. So I think I might join you. This sounds like a great idea. Um, I think what a lot of the um, elders in the spiritual community run into, and this is, this is shadow for them. Um, They're afraid of being burned at the stake for speaking truth. You know, they get so caught up in people pleasing and wanting to be, everything for everyone and afraid to make waves and, you know, step out of their comfort zone and uh, do something like what you did, Sarenth, with your elders, you know, instead of just defending them over and over and over again, saying, no, they're good people. I know them, blah, blah, blah. They, and ignoring the line that they crossed, but instead you stood up and you spoke a truth that was within you. And I think a lot of elders and a lot of leaders in communities, not even just in the pagan community, they get so swept up in the flow of what's going on that they forget that they have their own boat. I actually, I'm going to go from the opposite angle, Caitlin. I don't think that it's the, the fact that they're afraid of getting burnt at the stake. I think it's they're afraid their fucking book sales are going to dry up. Like as soon as they admit that they might've been wrong about something, as soon as they admit that there might've been some sphere, they weren't the expert in there's this terror that, and I, we all know it. We're in an age of social media. We're all afraid of, Mm -hmm. there's a fear, a shadow about losing your follower count or your book sales going down or people stopping subscribing to your Patreon. I think for a lot of elders, it's like they are clinging to that goddamn power, no matter how wrong it or right it still is. You know, there's there's something there too, I guess, um, which is why in a lot of the, when I write about spiritual stuff on my blog, I make it abundantly clear that I'm not an expert. I don't know everything. This is what I know from my own perspective. It may or may not work for you. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It might give you an avenue to find somebody. Um, but I think... And even just outside of the elder world, a level of truthfulness that you carry as an individual becomes very refreshing for people. Just being truthful about who you are. And if you don't know something or if you don't understand something, simply asking for clarification is very easy. And just asking somebody, I don't understand what you're talking about. Can you 
can you help me understand? And they will nine times out of 10 be like, yeah, absolutely. No big deal. I'll help you out. But you're, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right with that. Um, I think that's probably part of the shadow of not wanting to say anything against what they have done or are doing currently, you know, like maybe their, their practice or their time in that area has changed them and what they have written is now suddenly wrong with, or not in accordance with what they believe now. And we, even as people have to figure out how to stop burning our elders at the stake. I mean, there are lines, hard lines that we have to draw, you know, you can't become an exclusionary exclusionatory individual and, become a racist fucking asshole and you know there are certain lines that you have to draw but we also have to remember that we are just people right right um and i'm not saying us here or in our yeah no i get where you're coming from but people in general like you can't you have to get away from that social media culture that like culture that i'm i'm the follower of this person like you have to realize that they're just people right well there needs to be more forgiveness from yes. us as consumers of other people's stuff. Like I always, whether I remember to say it or not, I always try to approach things from a standpoint of that's how I think, or that's how I feel right now. Right. And, you know, congratulations. Those of you listening to the podcast uh, four or five days from now, I might've changed my mind already on something. Good luck with that. <laughs> but, you know, so I find it on but, TikTok now. You know, and the truth is, and, you know, we look at science, we know that there's a neuroplasticity that as you, age we might have less ability just on a very physical level to be able to make those adaptions and changes so mm-hmm. um, I think it's important to realize that yes I think my statement might be true that some of them are clinging to power but at the same point in time I also have to acknowledge that some of them might not know how to change or they might be so comfortable where they are especially depending on their age that that a massive change becomes a really terrifying thing yeah. 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 I I think that there's something to be said for um so something that is kind of a hot potato in a lot of the communities we're in is the notion of gatekeeping. And people have a very I find it frustrating. Like the discourse around gatekeeping I find incredibly frustrating and very short sighted. Because <laughs> if we have intact ways of saying this is acceptable behavior, this is not you don't run into as many situations where you have to uproot an entire community, to get the white supremacist out of it. <laughs> it's a women TikTok. So I, I keep referencing it all the time, but it's amusing to me because it's an example of it is, it is like TikTok is to social media. What fruit flies are to science experiments. <laughs> it is so fast. And so like when I first got on TikTok, it was all like, accusatory you are a gatekeeper and i said mm, gatekeeping and always bad so then here we are fairly recently with the those idiots were cursing the moon well i told you you told them too much we need to be having better <laughs> gates around here it's like you guys are fucking cracking me up i'm telling you yeah it's like, almost look, like those gates were there for a reason yeah, yeah you're, you're the assholes that kicked the gates open i was just watching with popcorn in my front yard <laughs> that's a good analogy i'm gonna have to these fucking kids. TikTok, the fruit fly of social media it really is <laughs> i mean the the thing and i i don't just put this at, 
TikTok's feet because Tumblr went this way prior to, and so yeah. did Facebook because it's right. MySpace before it, LiveJournal, yeah. for those who have been around long enough, you know, all the way back to the Yahoo groups and everything else. You know, every community goes through these cycles where right. a lot of really passionate people get in a room and shit flies. You know? Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, like, uh, someone had brought up recently the, the culture wars on Tumblr, the, the purity wars about, you know, who's more pure and who's uh, the more righteous about this stance or that and attacking each other and the back and forth. And, yeah, once again, we're seeing that in other areas as well. Newsflash um, leftists, authoritarianism isn't just a right-wing thing. Yeah, no shit, right? Right. It's... I. I don't know if you guys read the the Hunger Games books, but they didn't really portray it very well in the movies, go figure. Um, (laughs) The lines were there, but the feeling and the message was totally off kilter. But basically, it boiled down to you're fighting a war against one tyrannical form of government, and when you come face-to-face with that government and you're about to tear it down, they look at you and say, well, what makes you believe that the person you've been fighting for this whole time isn't going to be exactly like me, except against my people? Right. <laughs> Joe Biden. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> now, how, how are you certain that this whole situation isn't just going to flip the script? Let the so hate like, mail flow. No, that's the- <laughs> you know, it's like... No, that's a good point, though. Yeah, it's yeah, it really is. There is no telling, really, and I'm not an expert. There's no way right. I can tell you how to run this country or what well, we you need know, before, to do. Before Tumblr and LiveJournal and the other, all the other ones, I can tell you guys, AOL chat rooms. Yeah, oh, you can't trust the people in the Ask a Witch room, and then you go over to the other room, which was like witch chat or something. You can't trust the people in Ask a Witch; they don't know what the <laughs> hell they're talking about. I mean, like, yep, been around as long as the internet. You can't. Back when I was longer. still listening for dial tones, it was there. And yeah, before that, it was probably, you know, well, we know there's there's uh, all that graffiti on the in in Latin on Roman walls. So <laughs> probably I can't trust that occult shop down there. Uh, <laughs> I, I fucked your mom here last night. Best graffiti ever. And it's all in Latin. Sven was here. Yeah, no shit. You no, know, my favorite is the. Uh, the runes that they found etched in really high up on a cliff face. And it says, this is very high. I love that graffiti. It is one of my favorite examples of non-magical uses of runes. But, but did they Dry know how to write? Humor. Yes. yes, they did. This is very high. And this is the shit they did with it. Yeah. This game All right, so I do have to say that this like- episode oh, has seriously been kind of a train wreck. <laughs> No, I actually think we've been, I was actually going to say we've been pretty damn focused. So I, yeah, this I is pretty good we, for us. I didn't think it was bad at all. So do we want to switch over to uh, listener questions? Yeah, let's do a couple listener questions if you want to. Yes. Well, I think now, we Do you have a favorite? Of, I think we did kind of cover, well, one of us covered one of the questions here of, uh, is there anything in your practice that you had to leave? Um, were there any practices that you had to give up that were necessary, but it hurt to do so? And I think, yeah, I think we answered that one. You <laughs> answered that. I don't think Jim and I gave our two senses, but the whole 
like first hour of our show was pretty much about that. So maybe we can choose one of the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think we covered a little bit about giving up the, the term shaman and that was a oh, big, huge change fair. for me. That's so fair. I think that's, I think so, that's fair. I think, I think a good one would be, what are your favorite parts of the practice? Your favorite daily ritual? What is the one oh, thing you oh, that you enjoy the most? after the heaviness of the first half. Oh, you want to stick with heavy stuff? Oh, geez. No, Let's lighten it up a little. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you Pacos are all about light and heavy, aren't you? We certainly are. Hey, you got to have both the best worlds. It's called balance. Yeah, I'd yeah we're bipolar. A- I mean, <laughs> no, that's oh, the... No, we don't have spiritual bipolarism. What are you talking about? No, actually... About? Uh, bad joke. I probably shouldn't have made that one, but oh well. Yeah, let's. Sorry about that. Thank you. Um, yeah, favorite part of the practice. <laughs> For me, well, obviously, within the last six months, it's changed a lot. It's the sunset and sunrise stuff that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. It's my connection to the day. It's how I'm really anchoring the day. That would make sense. I And I notice this whenever I go out to my parents' house. Um, I always catch the sunrise because they're on the west side of the lake. So I always catch the sunrise coming over the east. And I always like mark that as, okay, my day has begun. So I can eat breakfast and drink my coffee and get dressed and do all that stuff. So I can see how that would be kind of a mark of the day somehow, whether my day has ended or my day has begun. That's, that's really cool. Uh, for me, it's the everyday prayers and offerings. Um, you know, the, the daily connection, whether I'm doing night prayers with the family or I'm doing my uh, wolf work in the evening, um, the offerings at my own altar, um, most of my favorite activities is based around that. Um, since launching the Patreon, I have at least once a day dedicating some time to writing something. So it's it, that in and of itself is keeping me busy and keeping me spiritually engaged with some gods and spirits that I don't normally talk with, you know, or I talk with only in certain ways. So even that becoming part of my daily practice has been really cool. And see, those prayers with your kids at night have to be one of your favorite things. Absolutely. I, I hate missing them. Like if, I, if I work a double, there are some times where I'm just like, don't bother waking me because I'm going to be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the night prayers with the kids are awesome because you got to understand, I've got a two-year-old. And I call her Blue because the, the community names that I give my kids, I base on Wolf's Ring. Um, so Blue is two years old. And she understands at this age how to pray and the kind of attitude you should have. We occasionally have to remind her because she likes to bounce in place sometimes, which is fine, except for she will bounce while she prays. And you can't understand a word that's coming out of her mouth. Okay, honey. It's the cutest thing ever, though. It really (laughs) is adorable, but it's also like, okay, we're here at the altar. You bounced a bit. That's good. Now you gotta got to pray. You can bounce in between the prayers. She is totally your rock goblin, too. Oh, I know. Rock and feathers. Oh, my God. So this is the, the, 
you know, she, um, when we're outside, we occasionally have these bird's leaf uh, feathers at our bird bath, and she'll pick them up, take them over to the rock vathier, and gift the feathers to the rock spirit. She's done this a couple of times now. So there's this little collection of feathers in among the rock spirits. Um, so cute. Right outside her well. The problem is, is when we go inside to do night prayers, she wants to talk to the earth vatir, which has a ton of rocks on it all the time. She wants to pick them up and hug them and touch them and kiss them, which would be fine if we were at that point in the ritual. <laughs> so, like, just trying to get her oriented towards, okay, honey. I'm going to say goodnight to every rock individually five hours later. <laughs> yes, that would be how it would be. Because, you know, she, she comes by the rock goblin thing, honestly. <laughs> Daddy likes his rocks. Yes. Um, but she she's also really cute because once we're done with, with night prayers, if we're trying to put her down for bed afterwards, we can't say the O word in front of her. Offerings. She knows what those are. Mm. She wants to stay up and stick around for them. And for all of them. So she will cling to somebody's leg or insist to be picked up, which my wife, unfortunately, she, this child has gotten so heavy, she can't do it one-handed. Oh, right. So it, it's, it's a challenge. So it's like, no, we're going to put baby down, and then we can do offerings. Right. She'll just look and go, offerings? <laughs> Come on. She, she's getting the hand-eye coordination where if it's, if it's not very full, we can't hand it to her. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is my fa- absolute favorite time is the night prayers. I gotta say, I as we're thinking about it too, that um, it's kind of cliche in a way, but my favorite part of the practice overall is when I get to really help somebody make some sort of breakthrough that they've been struggling with, because so much of my practice seems to be about helping people through those liminal change spaces. And I've gotten better at that over the years. So, you know, when I'm asking people questions, I I don't, I really thrive now on asking questions and letting them, even if I see exactly where we want to go, I, I ask questions and let them get themselves there and then that moment when their face lights up because they've made some sort of connection that's really going to affect them. That's just one of my favorite things. I don't I don't know how or what other thing could possibly replicate that. There are other things that are really awesome, but that moment where I know that I've done the work that Spirit has demanded of me and helped them to get to this change point, that's that's absolutely gold. I can't figure out much better than that. The uh, the the part of that aha moment that he's talking about and leaving out is the immediate glare that comes from the student right after <laughs> it makes him do that. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah sometimes a- there's a glare. Sometimes I have to hand people tissue boxes. Sometimes both. <laughs> <laughs> God damn you. I, I actually I have to concur, especially with the the shadow blogs that I've been posting and I you know, I I would apologize that they're both actually very long, it seems, but there there's rhyme and reason to them and the feedback 
feedback that I've gotten from them with people saying, you know, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I've wanted to approach shadow work, but I didn't know where or how Mm -hmm. or what I would need. And hearing that makes it easier um, because whether or not you guys realize it, I am going back through shadow work yet again as I write about shadow work so it's like i'm kind of bleeding on the page a little bit as i go uh in hopes that the work that i've done will make it easier on you um but the thing i love the most about my current daily practice is i've started chanting again and there's two chants that i do that I really enjoy that I had kind of forgotten. They, they kind of just fell by the wayside. But after I get through my yoga practice, I will sit quietly and I will bring, bring all of this energy in with an ohm. And then I will send it out through a chant and it just like, it just feels so good and it's awesome. But that's my favorite part of the day. I I do want to remind people too. um, because this is something that's crossed my mind two or three times recently um, to make sure that you're having some amount of fun with your practice too, especially if it's become a challenge to you. Like um, I was thinking about actually seeing a, making a challenge to see if it could go viral and uh, take whatever Funko pops or Pez dispensers or Lego people or whatever you've got around your house and do a ritual with the action figures and you sit up there in the position of your gods or spirits and watch the ritual happen and, and <laughs> change your perspective on it and, and kind of feel it from, from their perspective and have a little fun and play with it. Cause yeah, that's so important. It really is. And, it's very hard sometimes. It was one of the things Mateo always hammered into me. It's like, you know, if I, if I asked her, you know, grounding and centering is getting a little, little tedious and I'm having trouble keeping up with the daily practice. And she would ask, well, what have you done to make it fun lately? Well, that's a great question. So like, you know, <laughs> maybe grounding this week has to be done while I'm trying to, you know, balance on a stool or, or maybe it can only be done where I'm wearing a silly hat or who knows. I mean, like there are ways to engage the the playfulness and yet still do real work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's a concept in yoga called, uh, uh, sadhana and it's it is literally the concept of daily practice whatever it is that you do every day that is ritualistic um, and oftentimes it's stuff that you enjoy doing but it's it's the stuff that you do that connects you with the divine mm-hmm. whatever it is however you view the divine, whether it's dancing or maybe it's standing at your kitchen window, doing dishes, looking out into your back garden, um, whatever it is, but find an element of, of fun, of joy in it, because, you know, this is supposed to be about you celebrating your relationship to the divine and however you see it. You know, I, I mean, I personally wouldn't want to be a part of a relationship that was nothing but solemn and, you know, 
very rigid and we do this like this every single day and they always wear white and they have the bell and you've got the guy, you know, singing, bring out your dad. <laughs> and we, we, use, dad. we use do, doing dishes as part of your ritual work. We use that as an example several times, but like ancestor work, especially for ancestors that are fairly recent, like my grandmother she loved salty potato chips, and I can't hardly remember time I didn't go over there, especially in her later years where she wasn't watching Law and Order. You know what? Sitting down with a bag of chips and watching an episode of Law and Order, I can do that as a dedication with my grandmother, and that absolutely can be part of my spiritual practice. We have a tendency sometimes to try to draw these lines that are so serious around our practices and um so you know we're serious. back to that yeah why so serious? we're back to that neuroplasticity thing where we should have some flexibility in our practice and and in our lives this is supposed to be a joyful thing i mean to that point uh some of my primary cult figures this is mine of fenris <laughs> these norse's lines are awesome they're little uh they're kind of like funko pop figures for the gods and I love them. They're awesome. And they're kind of my little treat for myself. And I bought the whole damn line of them and they sit here with me on my computer desk. You know, um, you know, the gods don't go away when I play a video game. Yeah. Yeah. And the gods don't go away when I'm writing for pleasure, nor should they, why can't we involve them? And I'm not garage sale. Hella. (laughs) <laughs> you know I mean and this is you know this is the hell I have from that she's cute and you know it's kind of fun because you know a lot of even myself like I don't think of Hella as cute it's right. not a term I usually associate with her but <laughs> here it's it, but you know it kind of gives you a different window on the gods when they're in a form like this right. and you know, I, I love my gods very, very deeply. And that also means celebrating them in different aspects in my life. Right. And, you know, so, you know, I've talked about dedicating exercise to the gods before. Well, that can be a form of sincere pleasure. I mean, I know I felt exhilarated when I would finish a set. And I don't see why we would have to cut the gods out of our leisure activities. Actually, it's kind of the opposite of what our ancestors would have done. <laughs> like gambling wasn't just gambling it could also double as divination so like mm-hmm. you know like our ancestors kept busy and it wasn't like the gods were like okay well we're playing games now can you gods go away <laughs> like, right. yeah we're we're gonna cook some dinner we're done with you for today <laughs> right especially when the hearth fire would be like right there and all the cult <laughs> objects next to it right like, uh no we belong mm-hmm. here <laughs> Hmm. Well, I mean, like, there are so many things that that could be a lot of fun that you could incorporate in, you know, I, I gave TV as an example, but one that, since we're talking about Garage Sale Hella, and I was referring to the little figurine that, that Caitlin has, but let's flip that. Let's go ahead and say, like, since Caitlin, you were talking garage sales earlier, Granted, with COVID, this means that, you know, not everybody's out garage sailing, but let's say you are. Let's say that COVID has passed and we're out garage sailing again. 
what a fantastic thing to do with Hela or with Thoth or with so many other deities where you are literally going out and picking the valuables amongst the refuge. The refuse, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. there these these can be very devotional activities. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you find that good old like that's that's definitely a Thoth thing or or a Odin thing, finding that one lost manual in amongst all the oh fuck now i gotta go see a theme market uh <laughs> you know or like well like one 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 great example was i had just started doing sacred fire work and i went to this uh antique store on a whim and i found a ton of rainbow flint like mm. an entire big ass box full of it mm-hmm. you know so even our leisure activities could be connection points yeah gods, ancestors, spirits. I've had lots of really fucking weird requests while I'm walking around in Meyer. <laughs> that looks good. Buy that. Why? Just there, get it. So there's one thing that I am kind of being pushed to say, and I'm sorry for whoever needs to hear it. Maybe it's us. Maybe it's all of our listeners. But your gods do not expect you to be perfect all the time. They want you to have an enjoyable life. They want you to have fun. They want you to be comfortable. They want you to enjoy the life that you have. And they especially want you to enjoy the life that you have with them. So bring them into game night. Bring them into playing mm-hmm. Yahtzee with your family. And I, I'll i be honest, I talk to dice. I, I have a dice named Toby. Actually, I have a D20 named Toby and all the rest are not Toby. Um, And Toby can be a totally total asshole sometimes, but I love him. (laughs) He is my light blue dice and I love him. But there's something like when we say have a relationship with a deity, it's not just about giving them offerings and receiving something in return. It's not just about singing to them or accepting gifts from them. It's not just about giving them prayers and it's not just about that. I mean, those aspects are very, very important, but they also, you know, they live through you a little Mm -hmm. bit too. You know, they can experience human life through you. So dance with them, sing your favorite song with them, paint with them in mind you know you don't you don't have to horse them or bring them into your body per se but you know think about them bring them up in your life talk call out to them and paint a picture color uh, one of those meditation coloring pages and see what happens you know yeah one of the coolest nights i ever had going out dancing was when i asked dionysus to bless the dance floor before uh, the uh, evening got started and it was a techno industrial night i had a blast I bet that would have been super fun. Yeah, no doubt. Oh my God. No doubt. I can't wait till uh, I can go back to do it again. (laughs) Do we want to tackle another question? How are you guys feeling? How how are you doing energy wise, Caitlin? I'm kind of loopy, but (laughs) it should be interesting. Let's keep going. Yeah, let's keep going. All right. Um, so, do you feel like tackling the UPG one? Is that too big a topic? Yeah, let's do it. Come on. <laughs> All right. So, a lot of people uh, also tied into this question and, and uh, uh, giving ground asked on the on our Discord server. 
how to deal with a huge amount of UPG DOXA online, specifically where people use their UPG as equal or superior to known sources. One can just shrug and move on, but a lack of challenge can be taken as an implicit agreement. The other side of this is that challenging these points of view is very difficult to do without seeming like a gatekeeping grouch. Okay, so what do you guys think? How do you handle UPG? Um, well, my answer is short and sweet because I'm not mm -hmm. really on a whole lot of sites where that's a thing. Like, mm -hmm. um, I'm not a part of a lot of different pagan discords or reddits or Facebook groups or anything like that. I mean, my, my discords literally can, uh, can, are constructed of hours, three, three pagans and a cat and a couple of video gaming ones. And that's <laughs> about it. And if we get that sort of, which we never have, at least as far as I know, that we've never had that UPG doxy type of aggressiveness, I guess, mm -hmm. on ours. Um, and if it is, it, it tends to get shut down pretty quickly of like, we respect and understand that that is the way you see it. However, mm -hmm. according to the lore, this is what this says. And this is, this is this and that is that it, kind of just goes away so that that's my two cents i don't i don't have a whole lot to say about it i guess it, mm -hmm. if i were presented with it i would i would gauge the person i would ask questions to get specific responses just to see how they would respond and then mm -hmm. determine whether or not it is worth my time and my mm -hmm. effort that makes sense. I guess my answer along is thinking along the same lines and how I approach that question is how do I challenge someone else's UPG politely, right? That's really the only answer because um, ironically enough, I think I just did a TikTok on this recently. The, um, the thing with UPG is it's unverified personal gnosis. So as long as it's working for you, and you're getting verifiable results, not in your head results, but real world results. Cool. Now, as soon as you start talking about that with the greater community and other people, you are giving them leeway to challenge your assumptions, to challenge your conclusions, to say if they agree with it or disagree with it. When you put it into the public sphere, it becomes a public debate and it may or may not ever be part of the accepted lore. And there's some people that um, challenging their UPG too strongly could actually be pretty damaging. So do it politely, but if necessary, firmly. That's, that's really what it boils down to for me. Well, and it, politely, but firmly, especially when they're telling, or if they're telling other people that their UPG is the cure-all and all be-all and yeah. the lore is wrong yep. and you're wrong for believing in the lore. You should believe in me sort of thing. Well, and it's really hard because the lore was UPG at one point in time. It absolutely was. You know, at one it point in time, it was is. all UPG. It's just enough people have worked with it and verified it over time yeah. to, to say, no, this is real. Yeah. It's just when they draw well, those hard lines. Done it long enough, so. Right. It's just when they draw those hard lines of I'm right, you're wrong sort of thing. You actually had a comment on Discord, Sarah. I did, and so. Jim was like, save it for the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can reiterate for those that are I'm not gonna. on Discord. I'm so, gonna. 
I think challenging someone's UPG can be necessary to save them and others from unnecessary pain and ongoing issues, but I better be sure it's my job to speak on it. Rather than directly challenging a person, I find asking them clarifying questions and also being firm without being a dick generally produces good results. Likewise to my own gnosis. No one's required to agree with it, and disagreement's fine, since that gnosis is mine, not yours. The way I like to put it is that heathenry is a culture, not just a religion. The written archaeological sources are maps and our lived experiences, not just the gnosis, but the cultists we hold and how we live within our worldview as the territory. So this, so I'm reading this book called Viking Worlds, and it was a conference that was organized in, I want to say, Norway. And what they did was they brought a shitload of academics who were established in the field and a bunch that were writing masters and PhD theses and <laughs> dissertations. Thesi? I don't know. Um, Theses. Um, Pi. Wait. I don't know. <laughs> so one of the things that was talked about at great length in one of these articles was keys. Now, they found of all the graves they've ever dug up in Norway, 17% of them had keys. And they were pretty evenly distributed between male and female grave good, um, grave, grave sites. Now, what the written sources say is that women held the keys. And that was their symbol of power and authority in the house. It was pretty much the, 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 whole, the owning of keys is pretty much associated with power and the bourgeoisie of the, uh, the elite of the people of Iceland. Which is or uh, Norway, which is where this uh, it was Eastern East Norway, I think, where this was being conducted. And the point that the guy was trying to make was that we rely way the fuck too much on literary sources and not enough on what archaeology is actually telling us, because the archaeology actually says, "Hey, there's all these grave goods, and they're distributed between what we can best figure are male and female graves." Right. Um, it didn't matter if they were copper keys, iron keys, if they had special designs on them. Um, there was a woman who had a triketra in her key holder, the, the, the portion where you actually hold out of the key. It was really cool looking. But they couldn't discern any kind of gender difference, which is what the lore was saying. So mm-hmm. you've got to really look at the lore with a whole block of salt because you're talking about ideals and idealization. And these were written from a very specific point in time, probably two to 300 years after the oral tradition stopped. Mm-hmm. So... You, can't even say that this is a religious authority because it's not a religious text, nor was it ever meant as a way of accurately depicting and holding onto heathen material. Well, and not only that, a lot of lore um, is, it starts off as oral traditions, but there are also differences between different families. Like, so it depends right. on what family you're coming from or looking through. It might differ, you know, like the Thompsons are going to differ from the Smiths down the right. street. So it depends on that, too. And the, how relevant is the lore to how we live today? You know, uh, you know, we're living in a world that has been shaped by postmodern philosophy to a large degree. How would a heathen ancestor approach the situation, whether or not that matters? Uh, there's this great quote, I think it, I originally heard it from Ocean, who said that, uh, Ocean Keltoy, that history gets a vote, not a veto. 
Oh, and interesting. Yeah, that's I a good way of phrasing it. I absolutely agree because I am mm-hmm. not my ancestors. Yep. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And then Mother Multiverse said, how do you determine when it's the right time to share UPG and who's right to share it with? Um, I would say slowly at first. Like if we're going to think of it in a laboratory setting, you're going to say, I've gotten results. So I'm going to take it to other members of my lab. Maybe I'm going to take it to other labs within the same facility. I'm not going to go instantly publishing shit on the internet and and claim that I've discovered cold fusion just to have it shot down <laughs> several billion times. Right. Um, I'd agree with that. You know, there's, there's certain aspects of my UPG that a handful of people know, and that's probably all the people that need to know it. You know, the, the thing about discernment that we hit on a lot is how you figure out a true experience from a not true experience. But the other thing that we probably should hit more on is whether or not it's actually useful to share that. Yeah, yeah, it's a valid question. I mean, even if I'm getting results, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good material to share, that everyone else needs to hear about it. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's certain aspects of my UPG that I won't share because they're really, really personal. Mm-hmm. And then there's aspects of it that I'm like, the average heathen ain't ready for this and may never be ready for this. <laughs> and that can sound incredibly egotistical and I don't care because it's my experience to hold to my chest. You know, the in order for some of the stuff that I have learned from the gods, in order for me to feel comfortable enough to pass it on, a person would have to apprentice with me. Right. So, you can't handle the truth. I mean, to a certain degree, No. <laughs> To a certain degree, there's certain mysteries that people are just not ready for, and that's not Mm -hmm. an aspersion cast on their character. There's prep work involved. I can't give you, I can't even give you a mystery anyway without the gods and ancestors and spirits getting their say so, but I really can't put you into a situation where you have to encounter this mystery ethically if I haven't prepped you for it. So I think also you gotta, there has to be some time considering when. Uh, picking and choosing your battles because let's say that I, through several years of practical experience and then passed on to my students several years of practical experience, something that works and we're getting results, but let's go ahead and say that it differs from something in the lore. You got to question whether it's worth fighting that battle. Am I willing to expend the energy to fight that fight every day on the interwebs for the next 30 years when those of us that really are within our small group, we can verify that we're getting results within our small group? That's a great question as well. I mean, it all depends on what battle you want to fight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it comes to like the runes as spirits, so there are some people that are going to fight with me on that all day, mm-hmm. all night, and that's their prerogative. They do not have to agree with me, whether no. they come to the workshops that I put on about it or not. It is okay that you think that line is bullshit. And that's and that's what I mean. Like 50 years, 100 years from now, way after your lifetime, the fact that the runes are spirits could be universally accepted lore. Guess what? That doesn't mean that's going to be, be that awesome. way within your lifetime. Right. Unfortunately, that's the truth. It doesn't mean it's going to happen within our lifetimes and if at ever. So um, 
I think there's a, you know, it, it's a catch 22. There's also factors in there. Like a part of our ego wants us to be this big discoverer of this new thing and share it with the masses. And, and maybe sometimes that's not a best solution either. Well, what's your, what's your motivation for sharing this? Like, yeah. One of the things that I, I thought was really fucking funny that became a huge controversy was that somebody offered a cake or some crap. Like there was a huge blow up on Tumblr about somebody offering a cream cake to Loki. It's, it's, Outside looking in, not being in the middle of it, but outside looking in after the fact, it's goddamn funny. But <laughs> Tumblr lost its fucking shit over this, just like TikTok lost its fucking shit over hexing the moon. The lore says Loki likes cupcakes, Sarenth. <laughs> cupcakes with ice cream. <laughs> Don't you know this? Rocky Road. <laughs> so, yeah, shit like that. Um, <laughs> And like, rather uh, innocuous when you look at like, rather innocuous UPG like Freya likes strawberries. Mm-hmm. Where do strawberries come from? Not from Norway. Not, not North <laughs> America, actually. Right. They're native to this land. Right. There's, so there's a reason why we have a strawberry moon in July, June, in June. So my my point being is that. This is utterly a modern phenomenon. And that is okay. And it's relatively minor in the grand scheme of things as to whether or not Freya likes strawberries as offerings. Yeah, not a big deal. What's your motivation for sharing this UPG? Is it supposed to be earth-shattering? And if it's earth-shattering, why? Why do you have to share it now? And is it yours to share? Mm -hmm. Or is it your ego talking? Have you actually done the due diligence? (laughs) Yeah. Um, When it comes to myself and what UPGs I like to share or share at all, um, it depends on situation. It depends on the experience level of the person. It also depends on the UPG itself. Um, A lot of that work is very personal and very private to where I, there's quite a bit of it that I don't talk about at all i mean jim knows a good good chunk of it sorry about that again by the way um oh i just figured out the secret i mean go ahead i just figured it out i completely i have the winning answer mother multiverse giving ground brandon the bull all the people that are asking you gotta die as soon as you've written it down and then you die off it's a grimoire and you're all set Oh yeah, so, it's you the, gotta die. You just gotta yep, die first. Yep, it's the uh, the not a, being appreciated during your time right. thing. Right. Aren't While it? I'm alive, while I'm alive, this is just my shitty journal. But when I die, it's a grimoire. Right. So <laughs> right. You die, and then the whole world just goes nuts over it. They're like, "Oh that's my right. god, yeah, this guy right. was a revolutionary in, in terms of you know this one guy." Here's a scary thought, Galen. Sarenth has stepped out for a second, but here's a scary thought. 200 years from now, when the technology's changed and they're now refiguring out how to play MP3s, future archaeologists could be listening to this show to figure out shit about <laughs> spirituality. <laughs> Gods. <laughs> Oh, did they believe in the aughts? In 2020, 
what did pagans think? So this this just tells me I need to go back through all of my journals and scribble a bunch of random bind runes and shit through it. <laughs> well, Maybe, I, you, like... you missed you missed it, Saren. That was my answer. Death. Death is the answer. Well, no, I heard it. Yeah. Oh, okay. You were wireless. All right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a. Uh, look, if anybody can understand what the fuck my journals say and or mean. <laughs> Please let me know because I go back and read that shit and I have no idea. Like they're just random notes of stuff written down that I'm like, yeah, I'll totally know what this means as I'm in the half trance state. I I, I want to like, see them go through my bullet journals because that way they can have this big thing about personal gnosis right next to a note that I need to buy peanut butter and my car brakes are getting bad and they'll try to figure out if that's a fucking code for something if I'm crawling up the shit or something <laughs> this is like... oh, my <laughs> oh yeah by the way I gotta pick up cat food <laughs> that's right that must be a euphemism <laughs> cat litter is getting stinky that must be a code for something that's used within the cult. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Always thank the machines. <laughs> oh, yeah, I need a new keyboard. Oh, scary, scary things. <laughs> I wonder what grave goods they're going to find and be like, obviously this person was a spirit worker. I don't know. I'm having trouble. I, I mean, like, I'm getting buried with my Millennium Falcon, damn it. <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> that's appropriate. You have no idea how long this it took. This must have been the vessel he took him to the afterlife. That's, thing. Right. that's it. They smuggled, literally had to smuggle me to the afterlife. This is right. <laughs> 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 oh, we invoke the sacred Chewbacca. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh my man. gods. Ha. Oh, see, that wasn't such a heavy question after all. We laughter. Uh, it's only a good this... damn, good, good place to end the damn show before we get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably a good place to call it. We'll save the rest later. <laughs> Did he get in trouble this time? We kept it all like homeostasis. That was stuff. good, though. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We really appreciate your support and your kindness. And if you made it this far into the show, congratulations. You're a real trooper. <laughs> <laughs> and look, real spiritual practitioners are buried with Millennium Falcon. That's right. That's right. They can put my ashes right in it. It'll be yep. awesome. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And we'll uh, see you next time around the fire.
Yeah.